Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Before I had my daughter... I was almost constantly afraid of labor. I had a beautiful group of women in my prenatal classes, and none of them seemed to be as worried as I was. It was just the great unknown. Some people would tell me horror stories about how it would be. Others said it was impossible to describe. Neither of these options gave me any courage. Rebecca Ray is a psychologist and the author of two books, The Universe Listens to the Brave and The Art of Self-Kindness. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Good. Thanks, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Obviously, it's the first book that um, I'm sort of drawing on with this interview. Sure. Um, Part of the fear I felt with labor was the unknowing part, like not being able to really grasp what was going to happen. And that's probably something we experience at different parts of our life. You might experience it before having an operation or um, on a lesser degree, maybe a new job or a move. How can we be more comfortable with that not knowing? Yeah. Look, I think we should even go back to childhood because it's not just the first uh, unfamiliar adult experience where we experience that uncertainty. It's when you change classrooms in kindy. You know, it's it's the first time that you're experiencing some kind of separation from your safe space. And this is what happens as an adult. We, we forget that we've navigated that uncertainty so much in childhood because normally we've got caregivers or, you know, hopefully <laughs> someone to be able to back us up and give us some kind of softness. But in adulthood, we have to face these things with... I guess, varying amounts of support around us. And like you say, sometimes people can say things that are helpful and sometimes they're actually vacuous. You know, they have no meaning. There is there is no um, nothing to grasp within those statements. And so I think when you're facing uncertainty as an adult, the first thing to be able to take with you is to understand that it's an inherently human experience. That fear, that deep-seated um almost unspeakable fear, really, because human beings hate uncertainty, is buried within us at a DNA level. So what we are designed to avoid is situations that threaten our survival. A 100,000 years ago, when we were roaming the savannah in small clans, if there was some kind of uncertainty, you know, perhaps there's a rival clan in the distance that could threaten us, or perhaps we're going to leave... um, wherever we've set up camp and we're about to move to somewhere else that may not have shelter, may not have water. That kind of uncertainty was a once a life and death situation. Now, may not be life and death. And certainly for us in the Western world, we're sitting in a first world country where birth is not necessarily, we don't assume it's going to be a life and death situation, although, you know, it can. But what happens is you're facing something that, you know, every other mother has been through, well, unless they've had a C-section like me. Um, But one of the things is that you get this sense of I'm out of control. And that's what stays with us is there's nothing I can grasp here to be able to control this situation. And that's what escalates the fear if we can't get on top of those thoughts. That makes sense. Okay. So the next question, of course, is 
how do you get on top of those thoughts? Because um, what you're describing to me is almost catastrophizing. Mm. Sounds like that because I'm very good at doing that. Um, and you know, you're my people. <laughs> I may have some experience in that myself <laughs> from both sides of the couch. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, if, it, if it's labour that you're uh, afraid of and you've got nothing to kind of anchor those thoughts, the fear, because it's unknowing, like you just don't know what it will be. And I guess if I was to articulate what my exact fears were, was I was afraid of the pain and yeah. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to cope with the pain. Yeah. So those are concrete thoughts, yeah. but there's an unknowingness in that. I yeah. mean, how would you suggest people deal with that kind of fear when they they actually think to themselves, what I'm afraid of here is that I will feel pain. I'm afraid that I'll be out of control mm. uh, and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Are there, because those are actual ideas you can articulate, is it easier to try and dissipate the fear behind it? Is it easier? Uh, everyone's individual, so I can't say that because I feel like that's invalidating to just go, yeah, it's easier. If you can be able to, I, I mean, there is the... There is the act of putting labels to the fear, which is actually very helpful. So sometimes when you can stop and go, right now I'm feeling anxiety, it lessens the power of the anxiety because we've just called it for what it is. It's it's like catching it in the act. If it's unknown and kind of uh, escalating in the background, it has more power over you than when you've put in a spotlight on it. So yes, there is that. And it, particularly if you can put words to the thoughts, then yes, it can lessen the power. But I'm not going to say it's easier because I don't think fear is ever easy and it's such an individual process. So I guess where I'd come from, if someone came and presented with that kind of labor anxiety, the first thing I would come, the first thing I wouldn't say, let's start with that. The first thing I wouldn't say is, well, you know, there are, billions of women in the world that have been through it and they're fine. Yeah, no, that doesn't you, help. You will be too. <laughs> in which case I think they'd go, I'm not making another appointment. Thank you very much. <laughs> and also if someone said that to me, I'd be like, come on. Like it, it you can feel it, right? There's no connection. Yes. There's no there's no validation. You don't feel seen. You don't feel heard. And therefore it's like someone's not even recognizing your pain with that. And I mean emotional pain because I know we're talking about the fear of physical pain. So the next thing that where I would go with that is I'm a control freak. So I like to speak to the control freak in others. And most people who experience intense anxiety, even if it's circumstantial um, and just related to a particular life stage like pregnancy, um, is I go for let's control what we can control. Because what that can do is give people a sense that they're at least doing something. So the enemy of anxiety is action. Anxiety doesn't like if you then go and disprove it by doing something. Now, that doesn't mean we can turn it off. It just means that we start to relate to it differently and it doesn't have the same hold on us that it once does if we just sit in a corner and entertain those thoughts and let them run riot in our heads. So in terms of um, controlling what we can control, the first thing I do is go for education. Now, I'm not a birth expert, um, but what I would be doing is saying, sit down with someone who can take you through that process, but not from an antenatal class perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can be intense. Yes. And I'm saying that from my own experience in antenatal classes as someone who had a scheduled C-section. So I turned up 
I'm feeling like I had full control. I mean, I could have, I guess, gone into labor at some point, but still I sat there going, you know, this doesn't relate to me and this doesn't relate to me. And still I was disturbed <laughs> by what happened in the antenatal class and also what other people wanted to throw out there as information. Because, you know, people like to think that they know best and their way is the best. And then we engage in this kind of mental comparison, which can then make you feel even more out of control. Like, oh my goodness, if they're doing it that way, do I have to do it that way? Or am I doing it wrong? Or then, of course, every nurse has a different opinion on what should be done. So I would say you need to start with someone that you trust. The, I'm trying to think of the right word, but... When it comes to fear, fear doesn't listen unless it's in a space where there is trust present. It's a bit like going to see a psychologist. I'm not the right psychologist for everyone, but for the people that I am the right psychologist for, they'll listen to anything I say because we have this trust. I mean, obviously, if I started magical thinking, then they'd be like, you're on something. Yeah. But (laughs) (laughs) um, trust needs to be present when we're talking about a fear like you're describing because it's something that you can never anticipate. It doesn't matter how many videos you've watched. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The birthing videos didn't help me at all. No, I was going to say, I don't think they're even helpful for some people. Um, And if anything, I think it can... Uh, increase anticipatory anxiety. The worst part of anxiety, and we should really touch on this, is anticipatory anxiety. And that's the time, which is a bloody long time in pregnancy, (laughs) that you have (laughs) to entertain the anxiety and for it to get large and for it to take a hold of you and shake you and make you panicked. So the first thing is you need someone that you trust and then you need to get as much education as you can down the path that you choose And then step three is to stay in your own lane, to go, this is the way I'm doing it and this is what I'm going to, you know, this is the information that I'm taking on board that's right for me. So I had a very traumatic pregnancy. It was the worst physical experience of my life. I think we've spoken about that before. I'm still going on about it, by the way. <laughs> oh, to be fair, you've still got a baby. He's 17 months old. Yeah. People can... might say, shut up, Rebecca. Like, come on, move on. I reckon on. you've got three more years. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not moved on. <laughs> still bad. But I, what I also decided to do was I would listen to my obstetrician and it was her information or none. Which is such good advice. My sister once said to me, choose a book that you would like to refer to in one person. Yep. So that was the book she recommended and, and her. <laughs> and <Yeah. so> the, <laughs> I like, that was quite easy. Uh, but I also like her um, confidence to be able to go, and that will be me. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> but it is, if you can have your safety person, because what's essentially going to happen in labour is, number one, you don't know when it's going to happen. Human beings hate that. And if you're an overthinker like I am, and I think you are, totally, then that's a very... Um, unsettling situation to be in. It's not like you can say, okay, I'm studying for my exam, which is going to happen on this date. Um, So there's that. And then you're also sitting with the physical discomfort. And so much that happens in pregnancy means that you no longer know your own body anymore. And anxiety is a very physical experience. So if you place anxiety on top of pregnancy, which is already uncomfortable, it gives a lot of brain messages that are happening, which actually reinforce the experience of anxiety. Now, if you go into labor, and I'm saying this from a clinical perspective, not a personal perspective, um, 
if you go into labour with anxiety, what's going to happen is it makes every it makes the entire process so much harder. You're not working together with your body or your baby. And so this is where I come from the perspective of being able to get educated, to be able to do what you can do to work in conjunction with your body. But... <laughs> there's always a but isn't there like you feel free to roll your eyes and go come on just give us the answer but the thing is then pregnancy doesn't go to plan. Uh, sorry then labor doesn't go to plan so <laughs> there we have yes you can get as educated as you want you can have your safety person there and you can have affirmations that you're planning on saying and you can have a great environment that makes you feel calm as much as possible but then what happens if there's an emergency situation or what happens if it goes longer than what you expected or you know the contractions that come quicker or whatever it is that happens, then there's that. So there's another part to this. And this is the part that you'll hate and everyone like us will also hate. And that's that you have to also be open for it to not go the way that you plan for it to go. And I think one of the problems that can actually reinforce all this anxiety, it's actually going against what I just said when I say get educated and do it that way, is that if you stick by the plan too heavily and you're not flexible enough when it comes to the hours that you're in it to be able to just do what needs to be done, then you can actually end up quite traumatised. And so, But education is also... Um, well, what I understand from what you're saying, education is also about empowerment. And part of that empowerment is going, actually, this is what I would like. And this is what, this is the possible scenarios. And I may not have, I may not have the one that I want, but this is what else can happen. I mean, you're still educated, even if you're not necessarily following one plan all the way through. Absolutely. I'm thinking of a person, though, who was educated by a doula and she ended up having to, I think the baby might have been breech. Oh. And so she only found out a couple of days before that she had to, then she she had her heart set on a vaginal birth. And uh, there was some kind of emotional connection to being able to do that. Something that she was, um, it was almost like it was a healing experience for her to be able to go through this vaginal birth because of a previous birth that she'd had that wasn't um, nice. Because she had to have a cesarean, the fact that she was having a cesarean was emotionally traumatic for her. So she couldn't even enjoy the process of welcoming her baby because it was cesarean based. The, the delivery was not what she wanted. And so I guess where, what I'm saying is, yes, the education needs to be broad enough that we get okay with the options that we're okay with. So if there's option one, two, and three, and we go, yes, all of these, um, I can wrap my head around and I have, as much as you ever can, a plan for each of them, then yes. Uh, what I'm saying is don't get so caught up in only one option so that then you're emotionally um, limited. Just before I let you go... Um I find this um, uh, something that people don't really understand, but you explain really well. What's the difference between bravery and courage? There's not a difference between bravery and courage. Um, I think it's whatever word you choose. And it also depends on how you use it. I often use brave as a verb and an adverb and a noun. People go, what are you talking about? <laughs> so my book is actually The Universe Listens to Brave and my publisher said that doesn't make sense. And I said, I don't care. That's the title. <laughs> um, she was <laughs> kind enough to let me go with that. I, 
what I want people to take from that is let's not get caught up in definitions of how you're going to bring your brave into the world. I just want you to choose the word that fits for you because what we're talking about is taking the fear with us. We can't be without it, unfortunately, because we're human. And so when you put someone in a labor situation that they've never done before, if this is a first birth, fear will be a passenger. There is no way of getting it out of it, but fear won't be the driver. You get to be the driver and it's you and your courage that does the birth. Ah, oh, what a powerful way to end. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. You're welcome. That's Rebecca Ray. She's a psychologist and author of two books, The Universe Listens to the Brave and The Art of Self-Kindness. And there'll be links to both of these fabulous books in the notes of this episode. On Monday, we have our final helpline with Chris Minogue before she has a well-deserved break. So you take out yogurt, cheese, whole milk, like, you know, milk you put on your cereal and your tea and your coffee. It's quite dramatic. And also milk chocolate. Oh, what? <laughs> so it's this not is even, a bit much. It's not even worth it, is it? While it's the last helpline with Chris for a while, four weeks for those who are worried, we're doing something different while she's away. The excellent counsellor, Kirsty Levin from the Parents' Village, will be in live to take your questions on relationships. It might be you're wondering how to ask your partner for more help with the baby or your mother-in-law to give you some space. Relationships after babies are never the same and Kirsty will be in to answer all your questions. That's coming up after Chris's last helpline this coming Monday. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This podcast is produced by Debbie Ning. See you next time.